Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. You came back. Uh, this will be for 1 John chapter 4. Try the spirits. God is love and dwells in those who love him. Verse 1. Beloved, believe in not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. We may look for angels and, and receive their ministrations, but we are to try the spirits and prove them. For it is often the case that men make a mistake in regard to these things. God has so ordained that when he has communicated, no vision is to be taken but what, we, but, you, but what you see by the seeing of the eye or what you hear by the hearing of the ear. When you see a vision, pray for the interpretation. If you get not this, shut it up. There must be certainty in this matter. An open vision will manifest that which is more important. Lying spirits are going forth in the earth. There will be great manifestations of spirits, both false and true. Not every spirit or vision or singing is of God. And that was by Joseph Smith. Remember also that we learn in Doctrine and Covenants that it says, When a messenger comes saying he, is a message, he has a message from God, offer him your hand and request him to shake hands with you. If he be an angel, he will do so, and you will feel his hand. If he be the son of the... If he be the spirit of a just man made perfect, he will come in his glory, for that is the only way he can appear. Ask him to shake hands with you, but he will not move, because it is contrary to the order of heaven for a just man to deceive. But he will still deliver his message. If it be the devil as an angel of light, when you ask him to shake hands, he will offer you his hand, and you will not feel anything. You may therefore detect him. These are three grand keys whereby you may know whether any administration is from God. Continuing verse 1, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. It is evident from the apostles' writings that many false spirits existed in their day and had gone forth into the world, and that it needed intelligence which God alone could impart to detect false spirits and to prove that what spirits were of God. The world in general has been grossly ignorant in regard to this one thing, and why should they be otherwise? For no man knows the things of God but by the Spirit of God. Nothing is a greater injury to the children of men than to be under the influence of a false spirit when they think they have the Spirit of God. Thousands have felt the influence of its terrible power and baneful effects. Long pilgrimages have been undertaken. Penances endure, and pain and misery and ruin have followed in the train. Nations have been convulsed, kingdoms overthrown, provinces laid waste, and blood and carnage and desolation are the are the habiaments, or habiments, in which it has been clothed. The Turks, the Hindus, the Jews, and the Christians, the Indians, in fact, all nations have been deceived, imposed upon, and injured through the mischievous effects of false spirits. That was all, all by Joseph Smith. Verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, even every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now it is already in the world. The apostasy has already begun. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, but because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
To catch the full import of this inspired utterance, apply it to the Lord's people in this day. We Latter-day Saints are of God. We alone have the truth. We alone have the gospel. We alone can save men in the celestial kingdom. Unless men hear us and receive our message, they shall be damned. What we have is true. What the world has is error. All things are judged by the gospel standard which we have. How plainly and bluntly John and all the prophets speak as the Holy Ghost rests upon them. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to the to be the propitiation for our sins. Remember, that means to be to pay for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time except them who believe. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because we he hath given us of his Spirit. We know that God is in us, because we have the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath in us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in, the, in this world." There is no fear of in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Jeffrey R. Holland said, Life has its share of some fear and some failure. Sometimes things fall short, don't, get, don't quite measure up. Sometimes in both personal and public life we are seemingly left without strength to go on. Sometimes people fail us, our economies or, and circumstances fail us, and life with its hardship and heartache can leave us feeling very alone. But when such difficult moments come to us, I testify that there is one thing which will never, ever fail us. One thing alone will stand the test of all time, of all tribulation, all trouble, and all transgression. One thing only never faileth, and that is the pure love of Christ. Only the pure love of Christ will see us through. It is Christ's love which suffereth long and is kind. It is Christ's love which is not puffed up, nor easily provoked. Only his pure love enables him and us to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. This last statement aptly describes the love of God. His perfect pure love has extended to all mankind the grace of salvation. But if that love is refused, so is the grace of God. This condition is taught throughout the scriptures. During the last several decades, a heresy regarding God's love has surfaced. The heresy states that God's love is unconditional. The heresy first started with humanist psychologists who invented the, the term unconditional love they taught is the love parents ought to have for their children. Eventually, the term was adopted into Christian dialogue to describe God's love. However, the term is never found in the scriptures. Rather, it is a classic example of mingling the philosophies of men with scripture. This has been true even within the, the dialogue of the church. However, in an attempt to eradicate this heresy through the tracking or through the teaching of, uh, of correct doctrine, Elder Russell M. Nelson wrote an article that was published in the Ensign. Said he, while divine love can be called perfect, infinite, enduring, and universal, it cannot correctly be characterized as unconditional. The word does not appear in the scriptures. On the other hand, 
Many verses affirm that the higher levels of love the Father and the Son feel for each of us and certain divine blessings stemming from that love are conditional. Elder Nelson taught that understanding the true nature of God's love will guard against common fallacies that could lead to untoward behavior. Said he, understanding that divine love and blessings are not truly unconditional, he will love me regardless or sense God is love, he will love me unconditionally regardless. Neither Nelson our elder Nelson continued, These arguments are used by antichrists to woo people with deception. Neither, for example, prom- promoted himself by teaching falsehoods. He testified unto the people that all mankind should be saved at the last day, for the Lord had testified, or had, for the Lord had created all men, and in the end all men should have eternal life. Sadly, some of the people believed Nehor's fallacious and unconditional concepts. That was by Bruce Satterfield again. Verse 20, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. So that's the end of the chapter, and we will see you next time. Bye.